This is Matt. I'm the lead pastor at Westminster Baptist Church. Thanks for engaging God's word with us. My prayer for you is that this would be supplemental to your discipleship journey. Uh, If we can connect you with a local church or discipleship group, uh, please contact us at info at discoverwbc.com. It is so good to be gathered together with you this morning to be able to celebrate King Jesus to be able to worship him for who he is and what he has done. For all of those who have traveled here today uh, from a distance, for those who have traveled here from a short distance, whatever it is, we're thankful that you're here to worship with us. We celebrate King Jesus because he was born, lived the life that we couldn't live, died the death that we should have died and raised from the dead so that you can too. That's why we're here celebrating. I want to make that super clear. I am so excited to be with you. I'm so excited that you're here. If you're with your family and your friends and everybody's excited just to see each other today, I'm excited to see you too. But I want you to know that there's a reason we celebrate today. And that reason is not just because a baby was born. It's not just because we give gifts. It's not just because we get family together or friends together or anything like that. It's because that baby that was born happens to be the God of the universe. And I want to show you that this morning in the book of Philippians. And we're going to look at chapter 2, verses 5 through 11 this morning together. In this passage, it's going to show us that Christ came, who existing in the form of God, then became uh, man, born it's, uh, it's this one, Justin. It's this mic. I think. I don't know. Oh, okay. It's something. So here's the deal. God comes in the form of fallen human beings like this who can't fix an echo, like me. That's the truth. And you know, seriously, this Christmas, there's so much that we have to celebrate, but there's also the reality that we're broken. We've fallen. We, we struggle. Today is a day to celebrate the good things that we have. I mean, look around. There's kids everywhere. I love the screams. I love the cries. I love everything about it, most things about it, when children are around. <laughs> I was going to say everything, and then I was like, man, there's been some really bad diapers recently, and <laughs> those are not the ones that I love. I have a seven-month or eight-month-old baby now, so. A baby, though. A baby, like, born and like everything that entails being a baby. My God chose to be that. He chose to be that so that we could have life. And I, I want to walk you through really quick what we've looked at over the past few weeks, which is that his presence brings new life. His presence brings new relationship and his presence brings a new vocation. So that is that we have new life in Christ, that we've been get from death to life. We've been given a new opportunity to live in a different way. And that's because he came as living, a living being to live with us. We wouldn't have life if it weren't for his life, and we would just have death. But because of his death and life, we have life. And today we can celebrate that. Like Merry Christmas entails, I have life, you have life, we have life because of Jesus. That baby is a reminder of life. All the children in here are a reminder of life. But as you think about life, I want you to remember this. That without Christ, there would be no eternal life. There would be no good life, joy, hope, peace in this life. Because this world is broken. I don't have to show you that. You can see it all everywhere. We've mentioned it before. We mention it all the time. You see it all over the news, all over social media. You see it. And as you see it, you experience that death. Remember this. Christ didn't come to be born in a manger. didn't come to be born so that we could hold that news tight. 
He came so that we could spread that news to others through good attitude, good actions. Let me show you that in this verse. It says in Philippians chapter 2 that, he had, that we should adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. What was that attitude like? It says, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. Born, he was reigning, and then he was born. He was reigning, and then he was human. He was reigning, and then he was a baby. He was reigning, and then he was learning to walk. He was reigning over kings and kingdoms, and then he was learning to speak. He was reigning, and then he was learning what foods were good to eat, how to, wor- how to work, how to walk, how to talk, how to, how to breathe, how to do things. Like He learned everything, yet he was God. Why? For you. And so when I think about life, I think about the attitude of Christ. I think about the actions of Christ. And I think about at Christmas, what is your attitude like? What are your actions like? What are we doing here? Are we just here to to check off a list? Are we here to to do part of the Christmas experience? Are you here because you believe that in this room are people who embody the attitude of Christ, who are going to walk around with the joy and the peace and the hope of Christ, the love of Christ, the grace of Christ, the mercy of Christ, the goodness and the faithfulness, the patience and the comfort of Christ towards one another? Today we have life, but not just breathing. We have true life, true living So brothers and sisters, when we say Merry Christmas, we mean it. We mean that it is good. That it is good that our God became a baby so that we might live. But it also means that his presence is new relationship for us. You know, when I think about Jesus being willing to die, he he died so that we could have life. When I think about him being willing to come to earth, I think about how he was willing to separate his relationship with the Father so that I could restore my relationship with the Father. He literally took on everything that I am so that, he could, so that I could be everything that he is. The Son of God came that I might be a son of God. It's, his grace is unlimited in this fashion is that he died so we could live. He separated himself from the Father so that we could be restored to him. So today I want to ask you this as you think about relationships with friends and family. Have you thought about this, that at Christmas we ought to celebrate our relationship with the Father? Our relationship that has been restored to the Father because Jesus Christ separated His. In Leviticus 26, 11 through 13, it says, I'll place my residence among you and I will not reject you. I will walk among you and be your God and you'll be my people. I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt so that you would no longer be their slaves. I broke the bars of your yoke and enabled you to live in freedom. That's what my God wanted for you. What you had in the garden, living with Him, He wants for you. What you have today, when it feels like you're separated from good things, when it feels like you don't have what you want or you don't have enough or you don't get enough presence or you don't get enough community or you don't get enough whatever, remember, he is enough. Remember that Jesus came so that you'd have a relationship with the one who is greater than all things. He's your creator, but he's also the one who wants to give you good life. As John 10 would tell us, he has come that you might have life and have it abundantly. But the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So, When we think about life, do you think about how you have a new relationship with God? This Christmas, how are you going to show that to your kids? How are you going to show that to your spouse? How are you going to show that to your neighbor? Who are you going to show that to? 
Not only do we have new life and new relationship, but we have new vocation. As we talked about last week, we have a new responsibility, a new passion, a new excitement for our life. It comes from Genesis 2.15 where it says, The Lord God took the man and placed him in the garden to work it and to watch over it. You have a responsibility in this life to work and watch, to protect, but also work hard. This is pre-sin. This is a good thing. This will exist in heaven. Heaven won't be you just sitting around not doing anything. That would be boring. That's not heaven. God didn't create a garden that you would sit around and do nothing. He created a beautiful, wonderful, exciting, fun, adventurous garden for you to work in. This world is full of opportunity, and it's ready for you to seize it. As parents, as children, as grandparents, as great-grandparents, wherever you are in life, what are you doing today to work and watch over what God has given you in a God-honoring biblical way? Because it is our responsibility to do what God has called us to do. Look at this. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even to death on a cross. Jesus knew what his plan was. He knew what his vocation was. He knew what he was supposed to do, and he did it. And it wasn't something easy. This was something difficult. Why? Because it was our cross, not his. He took our cross. He did everything that we were supposed to do. So his vocation, his responsibility, literally was what we should have done. And he did it all. When you think about, what do you want me to do today, God? Have you thought about the attitude and actions of Jesus? Having the same attitude of him who would humble himself from God to, uh, to be born in a manger. Have you thought about the actions of Jesus who would humble himself from reigning over kings to taking upon himself your cross? We have the attitude and the actions of Jesus. It says, it continues to say, For this reason God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now here's the thing. Jesus' responsibility wasn't just to take the cross. It was also to take the throne. And we can't miss that this Christmas. I want you to see that baby in the manger, but I want you to know that that king who was a baby and who took a cross is also on a throne. He didn't stop there. He didn't stop with getting rejected by his friends. He didn't get stopped with being abandoned by his family. He didn't stop when the Pharisees were trying to kill him. He didn't stop when the crowd came against him. He didn't stop when the waters were like a crazy storm around him where anybody else would have given up. He didn't stop when nobody else supported him except for his father. And he didn't stop when they nailed nails into his hand and threw him on a cross for something he didn't do. Jesus didn't stop. And you know what? He didn't stop there either. Because on that cross, when he said, your sins are forgiven to a man who was full of sin, what he did was he said, I'm not going to stop here with just taking your sin. For every day moving forward, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven continually throughout the rest of your life. Because when Jesus raises from the dead, after the cross and he raises from the dead, what he promises for you, two things. One, eternal life. And two, eternal forgiveness. You have forgiveness every day you wake up because Jesus Christ took that cross for you. You have life every day you wake up because Jesus Christ raised from the dead for you. In that baby, in that manger is more than just a baby. It's a king. It's a Savior. It's an eternal Lord, an eternal God, who is before and who will always ever be. He is your God. His name is Jesus. And so this Christmas, we celebrate Jesus. Now, I want to tell you four reasons we celebrate specifically from this passage. First, he gave up his status. Jesus gave up his status. Now, what does that look like? 
Because it says, take up the same attitude as Jesus. Well, what did Jesus do? He gave up his status. What does that look like for you today? What does that look like for you tonight, tomorrow, when you head back to work, to give up status? Jesus, who is God and exists in the form of God, did not consider that something to exploit, so something to use over people, but instead humbled himself to the point of what? A servant. What do we embody to our people around us? What do we embody to our family? We embody being a servant. How can I serve you? How can I love you? What can I do for you? Have you thought about that this Christmas? Not, not how, what gift can I give you? Think about this. How can I serve you? Now, here's a, here's a little, a really easy practical challenge for you today. And it's an attitude, not an action, an attitude shift. I want you to think about how you can serve someone with an attitude change. So here's what I mean. How can you bring joy to somebody in this room today? How can you bring joy to somebody who's going to be at a party with you later, Christmas celebration? How can you bring joy to somebody early in the morning tomorrow, not by gift giving, but by attitude change, not by gift giving, but by what? Attitude change. How, we can, how can we change attitude to be a blessing and serve somebody who is around us? So Jesus came to give up his status. From God to man, he gave up his status so that he could take up my status, taking on the likeness of humanity. He gave up his status to take on my status. What's my status? Broken. What did he take up? My brokenness, my sin, my failure, my struggle, my hurt, my pain, my sadness. All of it he took upon himself. Think about that attitude. Today, what, what does it look like for you today and tomorrow to take up somebody else's struggle? It says to take the same attitude as Jesus. So what does it look, for us like, look like for us to go, hey, I know you're struggling. I just want you to know I'm here with you through this Christmas season. What does it look like to serve somebody with attitude to say, hey, look, it looks like you're struggling a little bit with sadness. I want to bring you some joy. What do you want to do? Where can I take you? What can we do? I want you to know I love you right now. What can we do? So he who had the status of king steps down to the status of me and you, humans. But not only that, he took my cross. He didn't just take my status, he took my cross because I was destined for the cross. We were destined for the cross. And you may say, well, what do you mean for the cross? Here's what I mean. Every single one of us is heading towards death. We're going to die. As much as we might try to not do it, and as, uh, as they say in that TV show, you know, I'm going to be the first man to live 150 years old. All right, we can work towards that, but we're still going to die, right? They think that the first person to live to 150 is probably alive right now. I'm thinking it may be Carson. I don't know. It's just my guess, bro. <laughs> but we're not going to live forever. And we all have a penalty to pay. And that penalty was as Jesus took it, the cross, which is the symbol of death and wrath. Jesus took the death for us. It was what we were owed. So Jesus' status changed to ours, but not only his status, but his, he took up our cross. And now the beauty of this is that not only did he take up our cross, but he took up the throne because God highly exalted it. It says in this passage, God highly exalted him to what? To over everything. And if Jesus is over everything, here's what that means. He's over every cursed city. He's over every cursed state, over every cursed nation. He's over every disease and every hate, every wicked ruler, every teacher, every governor, every business owner, and all the other elites in this world. He's over everything that's broken. 
Think about how that flips. Jesus comes to the point of being a man, and then he raises to being over all men. And so today, this morning, I know that somebody's here today, and you just want life. And maybe it's not like physical life, but maybe you're just like struggling, struggling emotionally, or maybe you're struggling with a, a sin struggle, and you're just like, I'm done, I'm fed up with this, I'm tired of fighting. Or maybe you're in here today, and you're like, I actually don't like this church thing, and I don't like this Jesus guy, and I'm just here to, to, to make my mom happy or make my grandparents happy. I'm just here today. Whatever, you are, whatever reason you are here today, I want you to know this, that Jesus loves you so much, regardless of how you feel towards him. I believe that Jesus loves you so much and that he is the only way that you will find true life in this life. And as you endure the pain of this life, I want you to remember this. And, and you may not believe in Jesus right now, but I want you to remember this. As you endure the pain in this life and the brokenness in this life and the separation from friends and family and the struggle of living alone or the struggle of not having enough money or the struggle of being in pain from some disease or sickness, as you do endure all that, I want you to remember this. Jesus was God, and yet he chose to endure that for you. No matter what you experience on earth, he chose all of that so that he could love you well so that he could die for you. And somebody may go, well, why did Jesus have to die? Why did that baby born in the manger have to die? He endured everything so that he could take upon himself everything that you endure and still be faithful. Because I don't know about you, but when it's difficult in the, in the, you know, the, 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 in the middle of the night, in the last hour, in the most difficult time of your disease, in the most painful moment of your life, in the most tempting moment of your life, it's hard. Those are the times where it's hard. And sometimes we fail. But the amazing thing about Jesus is it's in that moment he doesn't fail. He endures everything that we were supposed to endure. And in that very moment, he does not fail. So you want life, you find it in Jesus. You want community, you find community in Jesus. If you want purpose, you can find purpose, calling, gifting, motivation, a reason to live, a reason to love, a reason to have hope and peace. All these things can be found in Jesus. That's why I believe for the past few weeks, and I've tried to say, Jesus is life, because you want it, and I know you want it, and he came to be it for you. I believe in Jesus' community, because when your relationship was broken with the Father, he came to restore it, so that you could have a relationship with the God of this universe again. And I believe that he gives you purpose when you're lacking purpose and you don't know why in the world you wake up at 6 a.m. to go to a job you don't even like. He gives you purpose because my purpose is greater than money. My purpose is greater than breathing. My purpose is greater than just existing on this earth. It has a reason to live. I have a reason to live. So look, everything we lack in this world can be found in Jesus. That's why we celebrate Christmas. I want to bring this all together with this. When life isn't bringing you peace and joy, when your job, your hobbies, your money, your toys, all that you have in this life isn't bringing you what you thought it would bring you, when all of those things fall short, remember it's not because you go from something that is nothing to something that is great. It's because you go from something that is great to something that is nothing that you realize what true life is about. It's not about being the best and being the greatest and the richest and the most famous. It's about being a servant. Jesus modeled this for us. 
If you want to know how to live, stop living like the world tells you to and start living like Jesus. Serve one another. Love one another like Jesus. Or as this passage says, have the same attitude as Jesus and have the same actions as Jesus. You see, I don't think that anything in this world is going to be enough. And I think that's why it took the God who created everything, who is greater than everything and knows everything and controls everything, who is everywhere and sustaining everything. I believe that's why it took him who is greater to humble himself to die for you and I, because we will never be satisfied or fulfilled with the things of this world. We're never going to be satisfied or fulfilled when we're struggling with our health or struggling with sadness from a death from a friend or struggling with sickness or disease or struggling with lacking having something that we want. I believe that we are constantly needing way more than this world can offer. If, not, if that's not true, then let me ask you, are you satisfied with what this world offers? Is there enough money that you can make? Is there enough fun you can have? Or are we always just wanting one more second, one more minute, one more day, one more vacation, one more cruise, one more? Because when this world finds out that it's not enough, I hope that it will turn to Jesus, who is more than enough. So that's why we celebrate Christmas. Because that baby in the manger is God and he is more than enough. I believe he is more than enough for you, and I hope that it will change the way that you live today. Having the attitude and the actions of Jesus, I believe that it will change your life forever when you recognize that Jesus Christ lived the life you were supposed to live, died the death you were supposed to die, and raised from the dead so that you can raise too. I want to give you a few gospel responses first. Would you celebrate Christmas through your attitude? It's, guys, I've said this, and I'll say it continually. It's not enough for us as Christians to say Merry Christmas. We must embody that. So today and tomorrow, as we celebrate Christmas and say Merry Christmas a lot, will you embody the attitude of Jesus? Who is what? Willing to serve. That's not some pompous, you know, special status in this world. It's not some elite role. No, it's serving. Go serve. Take your family to serve. Serve King Jesus in some way. Serve the people who dislike you the most this Christmas. Serve the people who are hard to get along with in your family this Christmas. Have the attitude of Jesus. But not only that, celebrate Christmas through your actions, through how you act out your love towards one another. How you act. What are you going to do tomorrow? Do you already have it planned out? I'm going here and then I'm going to do this. I'm going to cook this way and I'm going to give these gifts. I have all this planned out. Have you thought about how you're going to act like Jesus? In all those things, have you thought, have you taken, taken a moment to say, okay, I'm going to do all these things, but how am I going to love that person really well? What am I going to do for them? And if you haven't, would you just take a step back to think through, how can I have the attitude of Jesus and how can I have the actions of Jesus? And then finally, maybe this morning, this is the first time that you've been in church in a long time. Maybe this is just your time to just kind of reconnect with Jesus. Here's what I want to, I want to ask you this. When's the last time you worshiped King Jesus? And I mean, like, you've been able to disconnect from worshiping the world, which the world wants all of our worship. You've been able to disconnect from worshiping the world, and you've been able to just say, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for me. Thank you that you've given me life relationship and a new purpose in this life. I thank you. 
If it's been a while since you've done that, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think through this this morning. First, do you believe that Jesus truly is worthy of worship? If you do, that changes everything about Christmas. That changes everything that we do and why we are doing it, why we are celebrating this Christmas. Do you believe that Jesus is truly worthy? If you don't, I'd love to talk to you. I'll be over here. I'll be around today, all day. I want to talk to you about King Jesus at any point. Shoot me an email. I'll, we'll get together. Whatever it is, I want to talk to you about why I believe that Jesus is worthy to be worshipped today. Maybe today you're just like, I don't worship King Jesus because uh, I've just been busy, Matt. You don't understand. I've got to do this and that, and I've got these kids, and I've got these responsibilities, and I'm just busy. I'm in school, Matt. I'm in college. Maybe you're just so busy that you feel like you don't have time to worship Jesus. Look, if you spend your whole life being busy, you'll get to the end of your life never having sat down to enjoy the good things that God gave you. This life is not meant just to exist. There's good things, and it comes from God. Slow down. Enjoy what God has blessed you with this Christmas. Look around you to the good things that God has provided for you. And finally, would you do this? These are just some, a really practical thing to do. Tonight before bed, would you embody the attitude of Jesus to your friends and family? This is super practical. And I'm challenging, write it down on your phone, write it down on a piece of paper, whatever you want to do. Would you, before bed, would you embody the attitude of Jesus to your friends and family? That's sometimes when it's hardest, right? Right before bed, the kids are screaming, you and your spouse are tired, or you're missing somebody that's not there. Sometimes the hardest time to embody the attitude of Jesus. Would you tonight make a conscious decision? I'm going to embody that servant attitude of Jesus this Christmas. Because when I say Merry Christmas, I want to mean it. And second, in the morning, would you embody an action of Jesus to your friends and family? I want you to think intentionally today, how am I going to embody an act tomorrow? Now, you may say, well, I just really want to wash my family's feet. That would be awesome. That's an action of Jesus. Maybe you want to shift that into a really practical thing today uh, for tomorrow. Maybe you want to make that really practical. Like, okay, um, my spouse loves when I do this. I'm going to do it. And I don't normally take care of that, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to wake up a little bit early before they even know it, and I'm just going to take care of that. I'm going to serve them. Or maybe you're just going gonna to do something for your neighbor that you don't normally do. And they're like, why did you do that? And you're like, because I want you to know that Merry Christmas is more than a saying to me. It's who I believe. I believe in Jesus. So yes, today, I can tell you this. There was a, there was a Savior born on Christmas Day. It's a, it's a phenomenal story. It's in the book of uh, Luke chapter 2. I would love for you to read that to your family. I do for mine. I would encourage you to do so. But I also want you to know this. That baby born is the king. He's our God. He's our savior. So today as you walk away, go worship King Jesus, having the attitude and the actions of Jesus. And if you want to talk to more about who Jesus is and what he has done, I would love to talk to you. Now, if you will, look at with me in Philippians. In this book uh, of chapter 2. It says this, And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. Today we celebrate that through communion together. You know, we often think about the uh, uh, birth of Jesus at Christmas, but we don't often think of the death of Jesus. But Jesus was born for a reason, and it was to take our sins and to die on that cross.
Like his life was for a purpose. And that purpose was for you. And so I don't want to leave today without remembering what he did for us. This is what he did for us. He died on the cross. He raised from the dead. And now he's reigning in heaven for eternity. Would you remember that today with me through taking the Lord's Supper? It, it, it was Jesus who said, when we take this, we remember what he did. Every time we do it, as Paul would write, every time we do this, we proclaim that Jesus Christ died, raised, and is coming back. So would you this morning proclaim with me what Jesus Christ has done? So if you will, in right in front of you in your uh, uh, pews there, our little communion cups. And all together as one church, we're going to remember what Christ did. First, by taking what represents his body. Not broken, not destroyed, but given up freely. He took the cross for us. And so in taking the cross for us, he gave it up for you so that you could have life. So we remember that in what he did. Would you take this with me? But he also gave up his blood, which is a representation of a new relationship with God. It's a, it's a new covenant, a new way to relate to God. That we have a new relationship with him because of that baby born. Now we have a relationship with the Father. So if we will join with me in celebrating this. And all together as one church, would you say, thank you, Jesus. This is how we celebrate. And as we close... We're going to close with uh, what we do as a candlelight. And what this is, is a representation of spreading the love of Jesus to all people. This is the flame. This is the passion. This is the purpose spreading throughout this whole church. So I'm going to read some passages over you. I'm going to light these candles. And then we're going to spread it to everyone in this room. And as it does, remember, the attitude and actions of Jesus can spread throughout Carroll County when this group of people go out and love like Jesus. In John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through Him, and all things were created by Him. And apart from Him, not one thing was created that has been created. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. And so today, we light these candles as a representation of the light. The light that came into the midst of darkness just like you are sent every time we leave into the midst of darkness to light it up. These candles represent you. Love, joy, hope, peace. Celebrating what God gave us as we give it to others in this world. And the air conditioner that's blowing out this light. Ah, thank you, brother. In John chapter 3, verse 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For those of you who are here today and you believe in Jesus Christ, this light that spreads throughout us is the light of man. They need to see it. Don't cover it up. Go show the world in attitude and in action. Let me pray for us as we sing Silent Night and close tonight, today, 
with celebrating the love of Jesus spreading throughout this room. Father, we love you. We thank you. We praise you and worship you for who you are and what you've done. You are the light of this world. In you, there is no darkness. And so, Father, would you light up our lives, light up this world, light up this city. Use this to bring hope, joy, peace, and goodness to this community through these people. Would Merry Christmas be more than just a saying and be more of an attitude and action that our people embody because of your spirit in us? We are your people. Use us as you see fit. Keep us as we go and protect us. We love you in your son's name. Amen.
have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more about following after Jesus, uh, please contact us and we would love to talk more about your relationship with Christ and how you can grow in your spiritual journey. Thank you.